Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. We're in Mark chapter 5 today, and if you're using the Bible they're handing out, it's page 837, otherwise you've got to find it yourself, Matthew, Mark, okay? Second book of the New Testament. There's also CDs of the service. Help yourself. There's Bibles. If you want to take one home, be our guest. That's, it's our gift to you. And you can also go on the podcast. It, Karen's doing a great job keeping up on that. So we're usually a couple weeks behind, but you can go on the podcast and, and listen if you ever missed anything. Where focus, though, right now has been Jesus Christ's power. We've shifted into a new, we went from the parables to Jesus Christ's power and how Jesus is opening the disciples' eyes to the fact that he's the Son of God. And not only is he trying to open our eyes through here at the book of Mark, not only the disciples' eyes, but our eyes too. It's this is to open our eyes to, the, to just who Jesus is. He's the one and only Son of God. He starts out by calming storms, which shows that he has power over the natural forces, the natural forces of nature, and not only the nature, but also the storms and our lives, anybody experiencing storms in 2013? All right, <laughs> Nobody here, but you might know somebody like that. He has power over the storms of our life. He also then starts casting out demons, and we saw that he has power over the supernatural forces, not just the natural forces, but the supernatural forces too. And we've actually spent two weeks in this passage. We're on part three. If you missed the first two, get the CDs, go on the podcast, listen, because each one builds on the next. And then next week will be our last week in this, this little passage here. So it's a four-part series on this part of Jesus' power over the demons. And really the theme for today is Jesus Christ frees the demoniac, Mark 6, Mark 5, 6 to 13, but I titled this Jesus and the Talking Dead. Jesus and the Talking Dead. The last time the title was Jesus and the Walking Dead, Jesus meets the Walking Dead, confronts the Walking Dead, and we talked about how that's what we all are. Before we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are all walking dead. If you don't believe that, listen to last, the last sermon on this. But after each episode of the Walking Dead, is a, there's something called the Talking Dead. And that's when they discuss the show. Well, this is a little different because here Jesus is really dealing with talking dead. This man that he's dealing with is spiritually dead, and the demons inside of him are really dead. They're dead meat, as we're going to see a little bit later. And there's quite a conversation we're going to see here, but really Jesus does most of the talking, as we're going to see in just a moment. We're gonna, I'm going to let Andrew play a video which has the... A, a visual picture of this event, but also it has the reading right from the book of Mark chapter 5, the whole passage, and you can also watch this on podcast. If uh, you want to watch it again, just go on our podcast, and you'll be able to watch this same video. So. so they arrived at the other side of the lake in the land of the Gerasenes. Just as Jesus was climbing from the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit ran out from a cemetery to meet him. This man lived among the tombs and could not be restrained, even with the chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to control him. All day long and throughout the night, 
he would wander among the tombs and in the hills, screaming and hitting himself with stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him. He ran to meet Jesus and fell down before him. Come out of the man, you evil spirit. He gave a terrible scream, shrieking. Why are you bothering me, Jesus, son of the most high God? For God's sake, don't torture me. What is your name? Legion, because there are many of us here inside this man. Then the spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the evil spirits begged. Jesus gave them permission. So the evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs. And the entire herd of 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake where they were drowned. The herdsmen fled to the nearby city and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. Everyone rushed out to see for themselves. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, but they were frightened when they saw the man who had been demon-possessed. For he was sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane. Those who had seen what happened to the man and to the pigs told everyone about it. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. When Jesus got back into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go too. But Jesus said, No, go home to your friends and tell them what wonderful things the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to tell everyone about the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Wow. <laughs> That's why Jesus came. We just finished our Christmas season. That's why Jesus came to set this demoniac free. But not just him, he came to set us free. Every one of us from sin, from Satan's power, from the strongholds in our life. He came to set us free. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for bringing us safely here through the weather, but also through the many trials in our life. We thank you for sending your son Jesus to set us free. 
and pray that through the worship and through your word today that we would move forward in our freedom and in our healing. And your spirit would move in a powerful way through this communion service. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's pick it up if you, with verse 6. Mark 5, verse 6. I'll read through verse 10 for the beginning part here. When, Jesus saw, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to God that you won't torture me. For Jesus has said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. So this man comes running, the same guy as we saw the last couple of weeks, that this guy would come and attack people, and they were afraid to go to this area because he would attack them. He comes charging at Jesus, but he doesn't attack Jesus. He falls on his knees in front of him. And then Jesus says to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. And there's two responses that this man with the demons ends up giving, and they're both key to understanding this whole passage and why I call this the talking dead. The first thing that he says to Jesus is, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? And it brings to mind James 2.19. James 2.19 where it says, you believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and tremble. The demons know who Jesus is, and they know who God, his father, is, and, and they're, they're, they're terrified of him. If you've ever been involved in a, what we call a power encounter, helping someone find freedom, just like this guy, finding some, helping someone find freedom from a demonic uh, possession or demonization, it's not something you go looking for, but, but there are times we have to do this. And when, when you, when in these power encounters, the, the name of Jesus Christ is so powerful. It's what the demons hate it when you use the name of Jesus Christ. You can use any other name you want. You can use Buddha's name. You could use Muhammad's name. You could use, you know, all kinds of other names. Some Swamis and Joseph Smiths. And it doesn't bother them. You use the name of Jesus Christ, and it's like pouring acid on them. They hate the name of Jesus Christ because they know who he is. Jesus, son of the most high God. But the, what they're trying to do, the real point of why they use Jesus' name here. And in other places in the New Testament, you see, they say, we know who you are, Jesus, the Son of God. What they're really trying to do is it's a power play, a power play. And that's why often Jesus shut, shuts them up. He says, don't use my name. Shut up. Don't say anything. It's a power play. You see, in pagan religions, then and now, they thought, they think, and they thought that they could gain power over somebody by learning their name and using their name. That there's a, a thinking in these, these pagan cultures that you can gain power over somebody. It's kind of like if, you ever, if you're a teacher and you walk in the classroom and everybody's being bad and you say, come on guys, stop it. But nobody listens because they're all together. But if you name one kid, John, you're going to be sent to the principal's office. <gasps> Freezes them, you know. And that's the idea here is that they think by using the name it gains power over an individual and knowing the name and using this name. But uh, it's, that's a pagan belief. It's not true. We don't need to know the names of, of demons to cast them out. In fact, they use that as a smokescreen. They will, if you're ever dealing with this, and they say, you can't cast me out. You don't know my name. That's a pagan lie that you, that you don't have to listen to. It's a demonic lie. I was called one time to come and help uh, deal with a, a, de a demoniac, and a person was heavily demonized, very, very demonized. And they, these guys called me and... A, 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 group of Christians and it was like midnight and they said we've been dealing with this 
this demon possession and we can't get anywhere. Can you come over right now? And I drove over. It was late at night. It was the next town over. I drove over and walked in and this guy was just freaking out. It was crazy. The house was torn apart. He was bleeding. It was just it was just like this, just like this video we just saw. And, and I came in, and the guy starts screaming. He knew my name. He starts screaming all kinds of threats and stuff. And, and he says, I don't have to leave. They, you don't know my name. I don't have to leave. And they had just spent hours with this guy trying to learn the demon's name. And there was many demons. It wasn't just one, by the way. And uh, they couldn't get their names. They wouldn't give them their names. And they were just using it as a smoke screen. They don't, we don't need the name of the demon. And, and, I, and I just said, I, I, have the, I know the only name I need. I know the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out now. And they did. And it was horrible. They, they left. They threw the guy down, and he was, it was terrible. But they left because the only name we need is the name of Jesus Christ. And Jesus knows they're playing this game here. And, uh, and he says, don't try that on me. What's your name? Now, there is an important piece to this. We don't need their name, but, but if there's a specific sin that has opened the door for demonization... We do need to deal with that because if, if there's something that's opened the door to give Satan influence and even heavily, even what you saw in the video here right from Mark 5, if there's a real, it's not just because you tell a white lie. It's a deep sin that keeps opening the door and it's very, very serious. And that's when the, the stronghold starts and which leads to end time demonization. If that happens, we do have to find out what that sin is and repent of it. But you don't need the demon's help for that. You just need to talk to the person. In fact, I had a friend who was um, in the same area where I was dealing with this other thing. <clears throat> he told me about something he was dealing with. And they were spending a lot of time trying to cast the demon out of this woman. And finally, the demon says, I don't have to leave. They says, yes, you do. In the name of Jesus, you have to leave. No, because this woman has a sin in her life. She's letting me stay here. And she, this woman hadn't confessed this to them. She had lied to the pastors. And they, they, they bound the demon. And then they asked the woman. They got the woman back up. And they said... Uh, by the way, <laughs> are you doing X, Y, and Z? Uh, yes, I am. Why didn't you tell us? I was afraid to say it. So they had to have her confess the sin and repent of it, and then they were able to call the demons and cast them out. But so we, we do need, if there's a specific sin that does need to be repented of, that's true, but learning the name is, is not uh, necessary with, with uh, de- demons. So Jesus says, don't try this on me. What's your name? And they come back with legion because they're many. Now, a legion could be many different sizes. There's different sizes of a Roman legion. It could be a thousand up to six thousand people, six thousand soldiers. We're going to find out how many these guy had in just a few moments. But remember, there's different levels of demonic. There's a demonic attack. We all experience demonic attack. There's demonic strongholds. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Strongholds. That's when we give the devil a foothold. Okay, remember Ephesians? We talked about that. But if it goes on long enough and it gets serious enough, it becomes demonization. And there's different levels of demonization, as we talked about. Could be one demon, could be many, many demons. Uh, this guy has, uh, there's different degrees of demonization. So that was the first response. What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? The second response is don't torture and send me out of the area. Don't torture us to send us out of the area. Luke 8.31 is a parallel passage, and it brings out a little bit more of what they said here. In Luke 8.31, it says, And they begged him repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. And that's a picture of 
hell. The word abyss is, is a picture of, of hell. They were saying, don't send us to hell. Don't send us to hell. And they followed that up with Matthew, uh, Matthew 8.29. Matthew 8.29 brings out a little bit more of what they were saying. In Matthew 8.29 it says, What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? So you see a picture here. Don't send us out of the area. Don't send us to hell. Don't torture us before the appointed time. They know they are on borrowed time. Adam and Eve, when they sinned, Adam gave Satan access to this planet Earth. This was not meant to be a place where he could have free reign. But, but when Adam sinned, he, he turned over the authority of this planet to Satan through his sin. So then Jesus, though, comes, and he, was, he came to break their power on the cross. Jesus, the second Adam, didn't give in to temptation in the desert. He wasn't in a garden. He was in a desert, and he didn't give in. He broke the power of sin for Adam, the second Adam. Romans talks about Jesus being the second Adam. He didn't give in, and he broke the power by not giving in. Then when he died on the cross, he broke Satan's power over us through that death on the cross. In fact, in John chapter 12, in John chapter 12, verses 31 to 33, it says this. Jesus says this. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. He came and died in our place. He took our punishment upon himself so that the power of sin and Satan's power over us was broken on the cross through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what communion is remembering. We're remembering the blood of Christ and the body of Christ, how he broke that power for us. That's what he did. And Revelation tells us that, that in they will end up at the second coming. We saw when we studied Revelations, remember? At the second coming, we know where they're all going to end up. They're going to end up in hell. Some are there now. Some are going to be sent there when, when Jesus comes at the second coming. And they know it. They know they're on borrowed time. They know where they're headed. They know they're headed to an eternity of torture. And they want to take us with them. They want every one of us to go with, with them because they hate us, because we are made in the image of Jesus Christ. We're made in God's image, and we are being recreated in the image of Jesus Christ, and they hate God, and they hate his son, Jesus Christ, and they hate the Holy Spirit, and they hate us because we are in God's image. But Jesus doesn't want us to go there. And that's why he talked about hell so much. Do you know Jesus talked about hell more than he talked about heaven? A lot more? Because he didn't want us to go there. He, he didn't want us to go there so much that he came and died on the cross in our place. He was born to die. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loves us. And loved us so much that he sacrificed his only son in our place so that we could live in heaven with him. He died so that we could live with his father. And it's our choice to accept or reject this gift. We all have to make that choice. In fact, John 3:16 I just read it, but in John 3:36, we don't often don't re, re, quote this one, but in 3:36 it says, "Whoever believes in the son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him." Imagine imagine 
you need an organ. Let's say it's a heart. Your heart is going to quit any time. You're going to die. And someone, an organ donor, comes along and, and you, there's a heart made available. Would you refuse that heart? Imagine this, though. Imagine that the person who donates the heart wasn't someone who died in a car accident or, or passed away and they donated the heart. Imagine they were alive and they sacrificed their heart for you. Even more, imagine that it was a parent who had one child and they let their child be killed so that you could have their heart and live. And imagine if you rejected that heart. How do you think that parent would feel? That's what God has done for us. Sacrificed his son so that we could have a brand new heart and live forever with him. And that's why three, John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Jesus doesn't want us to go where the demons want us to go. He wants us to go to heaven with him. Accept that gift. Put your faith in Jesus Christ if you haven't done that yet. Back to this passage here in Mark chapter 5, verses 11 to 13, then goes on to say, a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. The demons begged to be sent into a herd of pigs. How many demons do, were there? About 2,000 probably, because that's how many pigs ended up taking the plunge. So about 2,000 demons were inside this guy. They stampede off the cliff and drown. That's why I said they were dead meat earlier. <laughs> the demons knew they were dead meat. It's hard to even imagine this happening, although some things still happen like this. I was reading in the news, and I saved this from a few years back. It says 450 sheep jumped to their death in Turkey. I don't know if anybody ever saw this story, but it was very interesting. I saved it in this passage. It says, first one sheep jumped to its death, then the stunned Turk is in Turkey, then stunned Turkey... Uh, then stunned Turkish oh, uh, herdsmen who had been left to guard the herd watched as nearly 1,500 sheep jumped off a cliff. They just kept jumping, jumping, jumping. In the end, 450 dead animals lay at the bottom of the cliff. The rest that jumped on top hit the cushion, were cushioned so they didn't all die. The other, they got, you know, the fluffy, you know. The, so anyway, this wool saved them. They got, the, the pile got higher and higher, so the last thousand that jumped didn't die, but they just said it devastated the whole village. They lost so many sheep. It was terrible. And uh, they, they could never, they studied it, scientists, everybody looked into it. They never did figure out why the sheep jumped. But we do know why pigs fly. The, these, the pigs here in Mark 5 had a, a problem. You know how they give animals hormones now to get them to grow and make them stronger so you can eat them sooner. Well, these guys obviously had horror hormones, and uh, they, uh, they, were, they were injected with these demons here. And why did Jesus let them go into pigs? Because this really upset some people. I've talked to people. They were really upset. Why would Jesus kill all those pigs, let them be killed? You know, why did he do that? If, if he was here now, Peter would be all over him. Jesus would be in big trouble, right? But a couple, couple of possibilities here. Maybe because the owners were Jewish. They may have been Jewish owners of these pigs, and this was God judging them because they weren't allowed to eat pigs, and they shouldn't be selling them for other people to eat, right? God had forbidden the Jews in the Old Testament, not the Christians in the New Testament. We are not under the Old Testament law, but the Jews in the Old Testament were commanded not to eat pigs. They were considered 
unclean. Unclean. Why? We're not exactly sure, but we do know that uh, pig, if it's not, pork, if it's not cooked right, has many diseases that you can catch from it and die from it. And back at this time, obviously, there was different uh, ways of cooking. And also, because of what they eat, that's one of the, the themes when they eat, un- if you've ever had a pig, you know, they eat just about anything. And that's one of the keys with clean and unclean animals. What do they eat? That's how God judged them, clean or unclean. But there's a good chance that the owners were Gentiles because this area was a, a large number of Gentiles, a large Gentile population. In that case, it wasn't him judging Jewish owners. He was then testing and ultimately judging Gentile owners of the pigs, testing and judging them. And this is how. First of all, in many ancient cultures, pigs were linked with deities. They were closely linked to the, the pagan gods. Pigs were. Just like you see in, in the, our Bible, they would sacrifice sheep to, to a god. And that was the sacrifice, the lamb, right? Well, in the pagan deities, most, many times they would sacrifice pigs. They would sacrifice pigs to deities. In fact, you saw in the book of Daniel and Revelation, the Antichrist is going to sacrifice a pig on the altar of the temple in the end times. And it's not just in play, not just uh, because of he wants to you know, embarrass the Jews, but also that the pigs were the deities. They, they would use these as, as their uh, sacrifices. So it's like Jesus saying, hey, here's you and your pig gods. You know, they're just, you're just worshiping demons. In fact, if you don't stop worshiping these pig gods and these, these demons, you're headed down to destruction just like that. You're going to be destroyed just like they are. A second way he was judging and testing them, and this is really clear, and we're going to see this next week, we're going to see, is he's, going to, he's asking them, what's more important to you? The pigs or Jesus? What's more important to you? Would you care more about this man who I've just freed and, and, and Jesus, who's the son of God, or your pigs? And we're going to see that these people failed that test, and they're going to face God's judgment because of that. But what we do know for sure is that Jesus allowed them to go into the pigs for a purpose. There's a purpose for it. The pigs were unclean. These evil spirits were unclean. Remember we talked about that a few weeks ago? The word evil, for the evil spirit here, the word in the Greek means unclean. It's actually unclean spirits. And so because they were unclean spirits, God let them be sent into an unclean animal, and you saw the result of where they ended up. We are all unclean before we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Every one of us is unclean. We're spiritual lepers. But once we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, and we are made clean. And that's what, once again, communion is all about. But if we don't do that, we're going to end up just like these dead pigs. If we choose Satan, and if we choose sin instead of Jesus Christ, he's giving us a vivid picture of where we end up if we stay unclean. And what Satan wants us to do is end up like these pigs. It's what Satan wants to keep us all in and turn us all into is pigs. Remember the prodigal son who chose not to follow the father, but he chose to follow sin. Where did he end up? In a pig pen, eating pig food before he came back to the father. That's where Satan wants us all. He wants to turn us all into those pigs, spiritual pigs. 
That's where he wants to keep us. But I want to encourage us today not to focus on the poor pigs, but the poor man. Focus on the poor man and the result of what Jesus Christ did. In verse 15, Mark chapter 5, verse 15, which we're going to focus on next week. In verse 15 it says, When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. They were afraid. Jesus set the man free. He's dressed and in his right mind. That's what we're going to focus on next week. Don't miss next week because that's what, what Jesus does to us. But this is what communion is all about. This is what Christ did on the cross by giving his body and giving his blood. This is what he's transformed us, what he does for us. This is what his power accomplishes for us today. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you say, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin. I repent of that sin. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. When you make that decision, you are transformed like this. Now, there's still battles to fight, right? After you put your faith in Christ, there's still battles to fight. Sometimes we get discouraged, but I want to encourage you as we start this year, 2014, look at what Jesus has already freed us from. He's freed us from judgment. We no longer have to fear hell. If you put your faith in Christ, the moment you did it at salvation, you never have to fear judgment in hell again. Romans 8.1, therefore, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You have to fear discipline, sure. If we sin, God's going to discipline us, but we never have to fear judgment or condemnation again because we are in Christ Jesus. We don't have to fear that. We don't have to fear guilt or shame anymore. We don't have to carry guilt and shame anymore because now we have received forgiveness and not only that we can have forgiveness on a daily basis, ongoing basis. No matter what we do, we have many bad days, mess up, fall to sin, Go back to the pig pen, but we can keep coming to him daily. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and will purify us from all unrighteousness. It's constant, daily, thousand times a day. Keep, just keep making it right. Say, God, please forgive me. Please help me. Please give me your grace. It's that constant cleansing and staying in that close fellowship with him. And I want to encourage us as we start this year off, 2014, which I can't believe it's 2014, we look at the changes in our life. Many of those changes happened right at salvation. Remember when you first put your faith in Jesus Christ, repented of sin, put your faith in Christ, gave your life to Jesus and made him your Lord and Savior. When you took that step, some of those changes were automatic. Remember that? Wasn't it an awesome feeling? Some things just fell away. Gone. Some battles and struggles and sins were just gone. It was awesome. But others didn't just fall away at salvation. We are having to go through sanctification. Sanctification means to be made holy. It means to be set apart. And it's progressive. There's, a, there's, there's sanctification at salvation, which is our position. But there's a lot of progressive sanctification that happens all throughout our life. And it never ends. And why does God not just take everything away? Because we probably get lazy and, 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 and careless and quit fighting. He wants to grow us spiritually by letting us fight these battles. That's why he lets us fight for our sanctification. And it's progressive sanctification. And it's easy when we're in the trenches, we're in the middle of battles and trials and struggles, it's really easy to miss the big picture. Because all we 
when you're not, if you've ever been in a war before, and I don't know too many here have been, I know a couple have, if you've ever been there, you're in the trench, and all you can focus is on is the, who's shooting at you and you're shooting back, you're in the trench, you're fighting it out. And sometimes it's, when you're in the trench, you miss the big battle, you can't see the big picture. You just know the battle you're in. And when that happens, sometimes as Christians, we're in the trenches, we're fighting a trial, we're fighting a battle right in front of us, we miss the big picture. And the big picture is the battles that have already been won. We get discouraged in the trenches, don't we? Just like real soldiers get discouraged in the trenches. They get discouraged, but we miss the big picture. Look at what God has already done. Look back 10 years, five years, one year, and look at the changes that have happened in your life. That's why we have testimony services. Last Sunday we had the testimony. We have it at the last service of every year to, to, so that we can share and remember and enjoy and, and praise God and appreciate the changes that have been made in our life. It's so easy to forget those, that there's been so many changes in our life. Don't be discouraged. Keep fighting the battle. Jesus has already won the war. He's just letting us fight these battles to grow us and prepare us for heaven someday. Jesus Christ has power to set us free at salvation and through sanctification. Are you free today? Are you free? As we go to this communion time, are you free? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? Are you a Christian? Have you ever acted on God's love? John 3, 16. It's a great way to start the year off. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus, asking him to forgive your sin and putting your faith in him and saying, God, I'm going to follow you. Have you been saved from sin, saved from Satan's power, saved from judgment in hell? Have you been saved from that? Maybe you have. You've, you know you're a Christian, but are we living in freedom? We were saved so that we could live free. We were set free so that we could live in freedom. Are we living in Jesus Christ's power? It's very important that we keep fighting this battle. And in order to live in this, and I've talked about this many times, there's three keys. We have to know, believe, and act on it. We have to know that we, we are free of sin. Then we have to believe it it's one thing to know but it's another thing to believe it by faith and then to act on it not to keep giving in to the same sin not to surrender to sin not to give in to, to satan's lies and, and, and give him footholds it the key is to know it believe it and then to act on our faith know believe and act what in our life do we need to take that battle take on that battle of knowing believing and acting in 2014 are we clean Jesus came to set us free. He came to, clean, to, to, to make us clean. Titus 3, 5 says, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Have you been washed through rebirth, through Jesus Christ? Are you being renewed by the power of the Holy Spirit? And that's what communion is all about, and that's what we're going to be celebrating right now, is the, the cleansing Communion is all about coming back to that table and remembering the blood and the body of Jesus Christ and, and clean, being cleansed again and reconnecting with God so that we can enjoy communion with him all throughout the week and all throughout the month. What it is, we, we, have, a, we have some grape juice here. We have the bread. And we just, we'll, we'll have some time of, of prayer and some music, worship music playing. And 
when you feel ready, you just come up and take, take the cup, take the bread, take it back to your seat, and when you feel ready, by yourself, with your family, with a friend, however you feel led, there's no right or wrong way to take communion, but it's between you and God, remembering the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, don't take it. This is, the, the Bible's very clear, don't take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. It's very important that you're clean. But I hope that everyone here can take it because you do put your faith in Christ today. Put your faith in Christ this morning and take communion. Or if there's a sin in your life, you say, I won't resurrender it. Now, I didn't say if there's, that we sin because we all sin. Nobody, we would never take communion. But it's say, saying, God, I'm willing to surrender this sin. I'm willing to repent of this sin. I'm willing to open up my hands and give it to you. I don't want the sin, I want you. I encourage everybody to do that so that we can take communion and be connected with God. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us as we start off this year of 2014 with communion? Maybe you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, but today could be the day that you are set free. Today is the day of salvation for you when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Do it now, right where you're sitting. Pray the prayer of faith. Do it now. Just say, God, forgive me. I repent of everything I've ever done wrong or ever will do wrong. I repent of it. Forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus Christ, your son, who died for me in my place. I put my faith in him. I'm going to follow Jesus. I give my life to you, God. I'm going to follow you. If you've prayed that prayer this morning, you've just been set free. You've just experienced salvation. And you're no longer under the power of Satan, but you have the power of Jesus Christ that we've worshipped this morning. Through the worship songs, we sang about the power of Jesus Christ. You have that power. Let somebody know. If you came with a, a friend or family member, let them know about your decision, your prayer, or tell me on the way out, or fill out the card, or text the email. Let somebody know so that we can help you grow and move forward in your new faith. For those of us who have put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us today? Where have we given Satan a foothold? Where have we given sin power over our life? What do we need to surrender? Maybe it's our will or some goal or something in our life. What do we need to surrender so that we can have close communion with our Father through his Son, Jesus Christ? Father, I pray that we would all experience a close communion with you, a close relationship with you, and I pray that this year would be an amazing, transforming year in our lives and in our church. We ask your Holy Spirit to deeply convict us and deeply fill us with joy and in your purpose and your power. And if there's something we need to share with somebody, another Christian brother or sister, just for help or encouragement, you would not let, let go of us till we do that. Pray that in Jesus' name.